It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry. Sorry. We're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No. Lucky Land Casino. With cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Let's take a look at the England squad, Euro 2020. Jamie, you as an Arsenal fan, are you happy to see Saka in the England squad? Am I allowed to swear? Yeah. Absolutely fucking delighted. Excellent. Potency of the swear word is lessened if you ask if you can swear first, isn't it? But... <laughs> It depends how strong the swear word is. If you say, can I swear? I say yes. You say, because I'm bloody chuffed. And then I just call you a twat or something. It's a funny old game. Comedians talking about football. Comedians talking about football. Comedians Talking About Football. How are you doing, guys? Welcome to episode 18 of Comedians Talking About Football. I'm Sam Michael, and today we're going to be talking all things Arsenal with comedian and Gunners fan Jamie DeSalza. We've got a really fun chat lined up for you. But before then, this is the penultimate episode of Series 2, and I just want to let you know what's going to be happening uh, in the future with the podcast. Um, first and foremost, Series 3 is going to be coming out in the beginning of August, um, just before the EFL and the Premier League kicks off. And I'm really excited because I've got some great guests lined up already. Um, so I can't wait for that. Uh, however, some of you have been emailing in um, and asking about the Euros, whether there'll be a, an England special or a Euro special. The answer to that, unfortunately, is no. The reason being is that if I was going to do something for the Euros, I'd want it to be really regular. You know, I'd want it to be sort of old school Badil and Skinner fancy football setup where we're doing an episode every you know, two to three days. We get various guests on, talk about the various stuff that's happening as it happens throughout the tournament, sort of shorter episodes, maybe 15, 20 minutes. But I looked into all that and I realised how much effort <laughs> and um, time it would take to organise and getting so many guests in as well. And the thing about comedy at the moment is that everything's opening up again. I mean, comedians are getting gigs, including myself. And that's going to be taking up a lot of my time. And also, I just want to enjoy a fucking tournament. Do you know what I mean? I think we all just want to get down the pub and watch it there. You don't want to be at home listening to me yap on about it in the podcast. So, um, so yeah, nothing for the Euros. But come the World Cup in 2022, yeah, that's going to come around the year after. Uh, a winter World Cup, that's going to be very strange. Um, yeah, I'm thinking of doing something for that. Um, I've been thinking... Uh, about a few different options of where to take the podcast going forward um, nothing set in stone at the moment but I am thinking of maybe doing a live show or two I don't know where and when I'd do that or how it would work um, I'm going to speak to a few people who have done some live comedy and then done it in venues where they've later shown a game I know David Alfie Ward spoke about the work he does with the fighting cock maybe something along those lines i don't know let me know if that's something you'd be interested in would you come along maybe if i go to a festival maybe if i did the pops along to the fringe next year and did a one-off live episode of comedians talking about football with a really good guest 
um, maybe maybe we could do something. I don't know. I, I think there's, there's certainly an audience which I really appreciate. The, the, the downloads this series have uh, doubled that they were in the first series and I was amazed by what we got in the first series. So thank you so much for that. And I certainly want to do something. It'd be great to do something with a live audience. Um, but nothing confirmed just yet. But, uh, but hey, if you subscribe uh, to the podcast, you'll certainly hear about it. And if you follow us on social media, follow us on Twitter, follow us on Instagram, the same handle, at ComTalkFootyPod. All the updates will be in there. What I will say is that during the break between Series 2 and Series 3, we will have a couple of special episodes. One of them is going to be a non-league special, and that's going to be with um, Dulwich Hamlet director Tom Cullen. Uh, who also took to comedy in Lockdown 1. He did online comedy. He had more gigs than me at one point uh, in Lockdown 1. And um, we're going to be talking to him, and that episode is going to come out maybe a day or two before non-league kicks off again. And also we're going to do probably a special before the uh, the Premier League and the EFL kick off, probably with, a, with a, like a predictions episode. We've got a few guests lined up for that. Maybe we'll do some, uh, some betting odds, and maybe we'll, we'll we'll make some predictions, and we're going to bring in a betting expert for that, and uh, all that malarkey. It should be good fun. But anyway, right here, right now, this is the penultimate episode of Series Two, and um, we've got a brilliant guest. <laughs> this is Jamie DeSalza talking Arsenal FC. Jamie DeSalza, how are you doing? Not bad, man. How are you? Good. Well, very, very good. Let's get straight in there, mate. Let's get straight in there. Arteta, in or out? Oh, I think in. Yeah? I think in. You know what it is with Arteta? Like, so Wenger was the Arsenal manager since I was one. So he's almost like a surrogate father. Do you know what I mean? So yeah. I just feel like I'm still like reeling. I think I'm still missing Wenger a bit. And I think Arteta, as much as I think he's done a par job, I don't think he's done that badly or that well, given the squad we've got. I just think he just seems like a bit of a robot to me. I don't know. Do you get those vibes off him? Well, like you're not getting... Yeah, it doesn't seem to have too much personality, considering yeah. that he's got so much history with the club. And and when he signed for us, we were in dire straits. I think he signed after our 8-2 lost, Man United, I think. Yeah. Um, we were in like a terrible situation. He kind of came in and shored things up. Captain does to our first FA Cup in you know lots and lots of years. Um, uh, and yeah, but he just seems a bit of a robot to me. How would you sum up this season for you, for Arsenal? I mean, so, you know, obviously no Champions League spot, anything like that. You did have an opportunity, I think, to have gone quite far in the Europa League. And I would have, I would have said that you guys probably expected to to at least get to the final of that. How would you sum up the 2020-2021 season? Oh, bad. I think... Definitely the worst season since I've been alive. I think that's at least in living memory. I think <laughs> the thing is that's been that's been true of like the last two seasons. <laughs> like we're just getting worse and worse at the moment. But I think ah, oh, do you know what? And on the last day of the season, there was at one point where we were going to finish above Spurs. Uh, Chelsea were going to drop out of the top four. We were going to get in the Europa Conference League, which I thought would have been all right, you know. And then uh, it all just got pulled away from us by Gareth Bale in the 87th minute. So it's just gutting. <laughs> yeah. 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 Not, but I mean, that's a, like, all the Arsenal fans were laughing at Spurs for being in the Europa League conference, but it's like, we didn't even qualify for it. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think Arsenal can do now then? I mean, with the summer ahead, who should they be buying? Well, I mean, obviously you, you're not sure of the situation. I feel with Arsenal, you, you, right now that their transfers are so kind of unpredictable. I wouldn't say that you guys have made a huge signing for a long, long time. And that might be down to finances. I don't know. But what sort of what sort of thing do you want Arsenal to do? Do you want them to just pile all their money into a player like, I don't know, just, just hypothetically speaking, they went and bought Suarez or they went and bought Mbappe, someone like that. Would you rather they just put all their hope on that one player? Or would you rather that they, they were a little bit more sensible, picked up a few players who have kind of maybe proven themselves in the premiership at lower, at, you know, lower in the league and got them in and built a solid team around that. Yeah, that would definitely be my my leaning. So I think we have spent quite a lot of money, like, you know, like Pepe was 72 million. Mm. And then and then also we, we've signed a lot of older players recently, like giving a new contract to Aubameyang, which was the right thing to do. But then having like Ozil and Willian and Mkhitaryan, they're all players that we do, we're never going to be able to 
have any resale value from. Do you know what I mean? So I think yeah. for a younger profile, that's been the bright spot of this season. Like Saka, Smith Rowe, and towards the end of the season, Willock on loan at Newcastle mm. kind of the season, you know. With that, with that, I mean, that does seem the one kind of shining, you know, the one saving grace of this season is that you have seen a few younger players come through, like, you know, like Saka. And as you said, you know, Willock on loan as well. And he'd had a loan spell before that, I believe, in the championship where he'd done, done quite well as too. Yeah, yeah. Do you think he's going to come out? And should, should that be what Arsenal's doing? I mean, it didn't do Man United didn't do them any harm when they've invested in their youth in the past. It hasn't done harm of many other teams across the world. Do you think it's time for Arsenal to just stop looking at the, the summer season as the be-all and end-all and actually start investing in the younger players and try and actually build a team? Yeah, I think that's right. And I think it's the right thing to do is focus on the young players. And I think, to be fair, we, he's done, Arteta's done a good job at giving them quite a lot of game time, I think. Mm. Thoreau and Saka have played like loads of games, especially in the second half of the season. If anything, too many. Like, <laughs> um, they must be knackered. <laughs> you know, they're playing like twice a week and they're only like 19 or whatever. Yeah. Do you think that's yeah. something that Arteta's good at, though? I mean, Arteta seems the sort of guy who, who was like a youth coach um, and he's sort of the sort of guy who could nurture young talent. Have, have managers got time to do that anymore? Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, I think Arteta, I'm not sure, like, in terms of transfers, how much of a say Arteta's really got in it. I remember at the end of the last season when we won the FA Cup, they like changed his job title from coach to like manager or something like that. And yeah. the was that would give him more uh, like say over transfers. But to be honest, I think that summer we didn't really buy it very well. We bought Gabriel who looks pretty good. But then like Willian is one of the worst signings we've made. <laughs> what happened with Willian? How did that go so wrong? Because he had... A sort of, he was a good player at Chelsea. He had kind of a nice start. And I'm saying this as someone who put him straight into my fantasy league. Right at the beginning of the season, he was one of the first players I put into my fantasy league. I think he got one goal and that was it. Yeah, one goal and it was only a couple of weeks ago. So, yeah. I think when we signed him, we signed him on a three-year contract and mm. everyone said that's too long. And, you know, he's going to be 54 by, by the time... <laughs> he's going to be useless at that point I don't think anyone thought he was going to be useless in his first season I think he was an Arteta-led signing so I don't know if it's like Arteta's pride but he, he played a lot of games yeah he did he didn't and I feel like towards the end of the season Pepe was in like really good form and it feels to me like if we used Pepe rather than Willian for a few of those games we could be in a you know rather than eighth we could be seventh do you know what I mean like it have been a bit of an improvement as I said earlier, the first ever episode of this podcast was uh, was an Arsenal episode with Jacob Hawley. Now, I interviewed him uh, back in March 2020. It was actually like one of the only episodes I've done that wasn't on Zoom. It was actually done in person. And Arteta had not long come in at that point. And he was very positive about Arsenal. And I think he felt good times are here again. I would have expected, I think I asked him at the end of the episode, what do you want next year from Arsenal? And I think he wanted, um, you know, to say Champions League football. It's not happened. The, nowadays with, with Arsenal, I feel like the fans were angry for so long. And maybe I've just been watching too much Arsenal fan TV. I don't know. Yeah, I try not to watch Arsenal fan TV when I can. Because it's like, I don't know, when I go to the games, it's just like, I just sit next to my mate, we just have a nice chat. Yeah, it's annoying when we lose and stuff, but like, the levels of rage I've seen from some of those guys is like, <laughs> un- you know what I mean? They're like head cases. Um, so yeah, to me, there was, there was a lot of anger for a long time. It started with the whole um, Wenger out thing, which I'd say was very much led by Arsenal Fan TV. Um, something that Jacob said, actually. And then what you've got is, You've, you've kind of got the anger that came after that with you know the with your manager beforehand and now it just seems that like Arsenal they might not be hitting the mark but I feel like there's a wave of realism's come over Arsenal fans now there's this kind of acceptance that you know what we might have a little bit of a wait before we get to where we were before and do you think now if I now ask you what what do you want from Arsenal next season what would you say now? What do you want to happen? No, you're totally right. And I think yeah, that's the other thing with that is I think now people appreciate the job Wenger did a bit more. You know, when he was selling players every year and still getting to the top four, it actually looks quite good now. Yeah. But I think next season, 
Uh, I mean, bearing in mind we don't have any European football, uh, we're going to be playing a lot less football than we were this season and a lot more time. I think Europa League has got to be the absolute minimum, but I'd really like to see us push for the Champions League. I mean, I do, I do think our squad is like quite short of Chelsea's and City's and United's. And if, you know, Liverpool, you know, when they've got Van Dijk and Gomez and just centre-backs, you know, mm. playing, I feel like that could be the top four sewn up. But And also, I'd like to see us have a run in the FA Cup at least as well. Yeah. Because I think we're all out for these kind of things. Because if you don't have Europe, you've got, we've got time, do you know what I mean? Yeah, and I mean, you, you won the FA Cup last season. And I think that certainly kept Arteta in his job. Um, yeah. Should we say this season, where it wasn't as um, as successful? Had he not won the the FA Cup last season, there probably would have been more calls for his head um, throughout twenty 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 one. So yeah, you know, at the end of the day, you know, FA Cup is a good trophy to pick up. You can only see what it meant to Leicester when they when they lifted the trophy a couple of weeks back. Fans back as well. That was oh beautiful to see. I mean, I would say I'm an Arsenal fan. I mean. I don't know whether I dislike Spurs or Chelsea more. I know it should be Spurs, but see, I know this is like petty of me, but seeing Chelsea score that goal in the last minute to get disallowed was probably my best moment of the season. <laughs> there's a there's a there's a wrestling term, WWE term called a, a heel turn. Uh, sorry, a face turn, which is basically the good guys are called the faces. The bad guys are called the heels. And every now and then they'll swap. But back in the day, you'd have like someone like The Rock would suddenly go from being a bad guy to turn good. And I felt like that VAR moment was what you call a face turn. Like all year, we've been slagging off VAR. And we hate it. Oh, it's not It's not the game's ruined. We all, But <laughs> the second it turned. And I feel like had that happened to any other team, that would have been it. We would have gone, right, that is the final straw. FA, it needs to go. Had it, had it been Leicester, it happened to, we'd have been gutted. Even if it had been United, had it been Arsenal. But for some reason, it happened to Chelsea. And everyone loved it. I know. And the weirdest thing is, this is probably, for me, the most likeable Chelsea team in a long time. Yeah. But absolute unanimous joy <laughs> when that goal got disallowed. Yeah, and also outrage that they qualified for Europe and Leicester didn't. I think that, again, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was gutting as well, actually. Gareth Bale. God, he's ruined so many seasons. <laughs> <laughs> it's a funny old game. Comedians talking about football. Uh, what I'm going to do now for you, Jamie, uh, is uh, I'm going to I'm going to go, we're going to take a little trip back and find out about how you became an Arsenal fan and your early days, your early memories of it. Like you said, Arsene Wenger, he's been he was the manager anyway from when you were born. But before we do that, I'm going to hit you with an emergency fact, which is what we have here on uh, on this podcast. Uh, did you know that Arsenal's game against Sheffield United at Highbury? on January the 22nd, 1927, was the first ever English league match to be broadcast on the radio. I actually, I thought, it, yes, I think I did know that. But I didn't know, I thought it was televised, but you're obviously right. I must have got it mixed up. Uh, no, no, no. Well, that's the thing. That, 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 was the first, that was the first one on radio, 1927. But 10 years later a game between Arsenal's first team and their reserves was the first ever football match to be televised live in September of 1937. Arsenal versus Arsenal reserves was the yeah. first match. Well, you can tell which team the programme I supported. <laughs> <laughs> I was quite amazed to see that because I was like, oh, Sheffield, United, Arsenal. For, yeah, that makes sense. And I looked at it and went, oh, first televised game, Arsenal. Interesting. Who did they play? Arsenal reserves. <laughs> What a match! What a, imagine that going on telly now? God, yeah, that just that's just like a footy manager thing where the team plays a reserves at the start of the season. Do you know what I mean? They never watch that. Do you know what I mean? Just, the way the youth yeah. players have been, though, I wouldn't put it past the reserves to 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 beat the first team right now. That's true, actually. Well, yeah, I mean the reserve. You know, we've had some of the senior players playing in the reserves, so it'd be a bit of a mix. Like, you know, who's playing for who? <laughs> um, so with Arsenal, then. Uh, where did it all start for you? How did you become a fan? Um, now, 
you you are you, you get points everyone gets extra points on not that we uh, there's a point system but everyone gets points uh, on this podcast for if they live where the team is they support so you are living in uh, uh, living in london you support arsenal i would say fair enough however you get deducted minus 300 points for growing up near a perfectly good team a perfectly excellent i would say well run all-round family club, Reading, and yep, I say everyone, uh, you can raise the alarm. I get, I, but some of the listeners, some of the regular listeners, got, have little bets on how long I can go for an episode of the podcast without bringing up Reading. And I'm surprised I haven't already. This should have been my first question. You grew up in Reading, for a perfectly good club. I used to live in Reading, but I'm not from Reading. Oh, you're not? Oh, I'm from Staines. Um, uh, okay. Miles so, away, but so Slough would have been probably your nearest team. Nearest team in the league would have been Brentford, I think. Yeah, still, that's quite a good team to support. But okay, you went for Arsenal. Still, do you know what? Stains, I know a lot of good uh, mate of mine from Stains, lifelong Reading fan, mate. I don't see that as an excuse. A very oh, short journey. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I probably, yeah, I mean, in terms of being able to get there, Reading would be up there. Do you know what I mean? I've been to a few Reading matches. Always, yeah. always been a lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I'm an Arsenal fan because my dad's an Arsenal fan, and he is from Brent, which is kind of in between Arsenal and Chelsea. Right. So uh, my dad's an Arsenal fan. His brother's a Chelsea fan, um, which always seems a bit weird when families support different clubs, you know? Yeah. But they're uh, saying that my, my girlfriend's a Spurs fan. Ooh. So um, if one day we were to have kids, I'd. I don't know what would happen. <laughs> it's a genuine, it's a genuine thing, you know. It's what do you, what do you, I mean? My dad was very kind to me. He he tried to because when I was younger, I got into football as you all do when you're younger. You get into the Premier League. You're not really aware of the lower leagues. You, you watch Premier League. See match of the day. You see broadcast games. And my dad was like, "I'll get him a Man United kit. I'll give him some hope in life." And uh, then one day I turned to him and said, uh, Dad, uh, there's a team up the road called Reading. I'd, I'd really like to go. And he just sort of went, oh, I guess it's about time. It's a dark day. Imagine that you could be a United fan. Yeah, yeah. Imagine, but, you know, Imagine you all would, those trophies. You'd have to be preparing. You know when everyone's like, oh, yeah, I'm a United fan, but it's all right because like, my auntie's second cousin is from Salford. Do you know what I mean? They oh, look at that. oh, you've listened to the Dan Fitzhenry episode then? Oh, is that was that his excuse? Was it <laughs> pretty much? Yeah, he's a he's a Man United fan from uh, from Exeter, yeah. <laughs> standard. Yeah. And they've always said, "Oh, my granddad uh, lives in um lived in Salford once. Yeah, yeah. He went to Salford. It's like shout out, mate. Yeah, so far I've had two Man United fans on here, both excellent guests, both excellent fans. But one was from Exeter, the other one was from Kent. Like you could not have a more stereotypical Man United fan." Yeah, even if you're locally glory hunting, you know, you're going through some other clubs. Like you're going through Kent, you're going through Arsenal and Chelsea on the way. Do you know what I mean? Like, well, yeah, I mean, if you, let's be honest, if you're taking the journey up there, you're going through so many teams. You're going through Leicester, Peterborough, Cambridge, Norwich, yeah. Ipswich. You got, you, I don't know how many clubs that, you, that there are between you. But let's be fair to you. If you were to become, you know, an Arsenal fan, you just had Brentford on your way there. Maybe yeah. late in Orient. I, I don't know. Um, I'm not very good with London. But yeah. but still, you're going from Kent all the way up to Man United. My God. Yeah, that's a long way. But I've heard, I don't know if it's true, but apparently there's more, in, if actually in Manchester, it's all City fans and all the Man United fans are outside. So actually, if you're in Manchester, you're probably a City fan, not a United fan. Most likely, yeah. I think it's Salford anyway. It's just mainly sort of, that Salford Moss side area, I think, where yeah. they're Man United fans. Because we had Lou Fitz on and... He was from Moss Side. Um, still one of my favourite moments of that podcast that I didn't notice till afterwards is that Lou Fitz, have you met, you know Lou Fitz, don't you? Um, yeah. Guy from Moss Side spent years in Miami and hated Miami. I just love that. <laughs> A guy from Moss Side walking around Miami going, oh, this is shite, mate. Yeah. <laughs> oh, fuck this, man. <laughs> but, um, well, sorry, we're going to get on to your, your early days of of, okay. uh, of supporting. But before then, you did mention you've been to the Medeski a couple of times. Yeah. Let's get this out of the way straight away. I got it out of the way with, with uh, Jacob. Um, the worst football game I've ever watched in my life was probably also one of the most exciting football games, objectively, ever. Were you at the 7-5 game? I was working. Good. I was working. 
I was working in Waitrose. My lunch break was four nil down, and I'm like, oh, yeah, we're all talking about Wenger out in in the um, like cafeteria. Finished my shift, checked the scores, thinking, oh god, what was probably a cricket score. And yeah, we were you there? Sorry, no, I, I wasn't there. I was in um, I was in a pub in Bristol watching it. I watched the first. They didn't have the sound on for the game, weirdly, where we were sat. And it was a, a room full of Arsenal fans and just me and a couple of mates who don't watch football. And there was just me as a Reading fan cheering the matches. And I got very cocky after we went two or three nil up. And then my mate said, I've got work in the morning, but I've got Sky. Just come back to mine and we'll watch it there. And I was like, oh, but I want to stay and rub it in their faces. Fucking But Arsenal supporting. Yeah, know, yeah, yeah lot from Bristol and I rub it in their face he's like no come on we'll go back and I'm glad we went home because they were probably oh. hunting for me after that because it was just, I remember getting home and I was like oh it's now it's 4-0 that's amazing and then I came back and it was like 4-1 I was like well okay well bless him good for Theo local boy getting a goal at the Madstad it's fine I'll allow that um, and then and then it all just fell apart well see I, I don't actually know this is true but I've heard that apparently uh when it was four all and it was full time, Giroud thought it was like going to a replay, so he threw his shirt into the, the crowd and had to ask for it back. Oh, really? Someone told me that, and I've not seen any footage of it, but I like to believe it is true because it seems like a very Giroud thing to do. <laughs> he used to get his top off, and I don't blame him. <laughs> oh man, yeah, I don't know. I never knew about that, but that is that is pretty funny if that happens. I can imagine that that happens quite a bit. I, yeah. Um, so yeah, disastrous game, but I had to get that out of the way. So, so yourself then, Arsenal fan from when you were younger. What were your earliest memories? What sort of season did you first start watching? I actually got into football. My dad's always been like he was a season to get older and all that kind of stuff. But um, I only really got into football when I was like eleven, which makes me sound like I was glory hunting. But that was just when we became shit. Is shit's a relative term, obviously. We weren't bad in that time, but uh, yeah. So, I, like, I wasn't really a fan when we were the Invincibles, right? Which is a bit gutting because I've like, as a proper fan, I've never really appreciated us winning the league or anything. Do you know what I mean? Mm. I really got into it after the World Cup, which in two thousand six, which I think like okay. World Cup, which is quite late. You know, like eleven years old is quite late to get into football. I think, but um, yeah, since then it's been good. Um, but I do, I always get that little, you know, ping, like where I've just like, I've kind of missed out on the glory years by like three years. I wish my dad just nudged me a bit more in that direction. Because the thing is, I was bad at playing football. Like I can't trap a ball. I can't head yeah. up. So I just was never that into it. But then, I don't know, you don't actually have to be good to be a fan. Do you know what I mean? No, I I'm, I'm the fa- I'm the same because cause I've done this podcast. A couple of people have suggested, I should co- you come to London and get in our five-a-side team. Or like, come, come and have a game, you know, seven aside. And I'm just thinking, yeah, I know I'm, I'm awful at football. I played centre-back and I was deliberately quite violent because I thought if I get sent off early on, I'll get known just for my passion and nothing else. I go, well, he's a passionate guy. You know, I wanted to just be a Terry Butcher. Bear in mind, Terry Butcher was a fantastic footballer and a fantastic yeah. centre-back. I just wanted to be a Terry Butcher who gets sent off early in the game. So I can go, well, to be fair to him, yeah, he got sent off, but he's got the passion. Now, I was awful. I, I The only thing I could do, <laughs> two things I could do, was I could head the ball because I was six foot at the age of about 14. And the other thing I could do is I can still take a bloody sweet free kick in a corner because I got oh. into football around the same age as you when I was about 10, 11 years old. And the main guy back then was David Beckham. And my dad tried to get me when I joined the football club, he, you know, he, he joined, uh, I joined AFC Newbury and my dad was like, you know, uh, you're rubbish at football. Let's take you down the park at the weekend, get you practiced up. And he wanted to sort of teach me dribbling, you know, shooting one twos passing, you know, long passing. And all I wanted to do was just practice free kicks and corners. And we did that for two hours on end and he just in the end gave up. So that's all we did. So I can still take a sweet free kick. So guys, if you do need me for your five aside team, you need someone come and take free kick. I'm, I can bend that into the top corner any day of the week. Uh, but anything else, I'm absolutely awful. I'm, just, I'm very one dimensional because I play like, it's not like we're not, we don't play any competitive matches. I have a kick about with my mates, you know, like every now and then. And it's, I think I'm, I'm legs, but with absolutely no other skills. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. I can run 
and uh, put like put a foot in. But when I actually put a foot in and win the ball, I'll then kick it back to the opposition almost immediately because <laughs> I've just got no skills. <laughs> Yeah, I'm pretty bad with that as well. Completely feel you with that one. But as you said, you don't have to be you don't have to be good at football to to, to be a fan. Um, so so you got into it then, yeah. So I would have imagined around 2006. So around that time, you still had a really good squad though. You were still getting to champion, you know, going far in the Champions League, and that would have been around the time of Thierry Henry, of course, coming to the end of his career. There, um, you had um, you know uh, Fabregas. Yeah. Yes, that was you know we had yeah Fabrice, we had the you know the back end of Vieira um, maybe I missed Ashley Cole I don't know yeah I think I would have missed Ashley Cole but yeah we had some great great players in that time and we've just played like some incredible football as well but there was I don't know if Arsenal have always been like this but there's just an air of negativity that seems to just follow around our club I don't know if that's the thing that every club feels it's so hard to know but I feel like we moan a lot Arsenal fans. I don't know if that's come about. I mean, I, I'm not sure, obviously, not being an Arsenal fan, but I wonder if that came from the expectation that came after the Invincibles because there was an error of just, we're going to win every game because they did. I mean, it got to the point where, I mean, I remember um, I remember Tony Adams scoring a penalty because he was the last outfield player to not score a goal. You know, everyone, it was, it was like for fun. They were just like, by the end of the season, it was kind of, oh, we'll just, just let Tony Adams take a penalty because... He hasn't scored, or he feels left out, you know. And it's it, it, they were so good, and it was just kind of, and there were more glory supporting Arsenal fans than ever. And it was just a given: they're going to win the Premier League, they're going to win the FA Cup, um, they're going to do well in 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 the Champions League. Um, and then probably after it all went wrong, I, well, not to say it all went wrong. She did have some good years after that, but I think maybe it was just the fact that. It sort of goes back to what we talk about with transfers. There was never, ever really another Dennis Burkamp, another Van Persie, another Thierry Henry. And unfortunately, that was down to the money. And I think, like we were saying earlier, I think it's amazing that Wenger managed to keep you where you did in that in what was known back then as the top four with the money compared to Chelsea and Liverpool. Yeah, I, I mean, like, we're quite unlucky in that when we just sort of reached our peak is when Abramovich came in and really started kicking off with all the money and stuff. So yeah. it's like we overcome United and then Chelsea were kind of straight there like I think we finished second a lot under in the league a few times you know what I mean like mm. uh, I think like we could have won a bit more of the you know the luck or just you know one transfer went another way I think like the Champions League final still gets me down you know I think we were like 15 minutes away from winning it after playing virtually the whole match with 10 men gutting I mean Arsene Wenger of course will, will probably go well you know it'll be a hundred years before anyone replaces him as the greatest sort of Arsenal manager of all time. But do you think there's a real regret from him that he never picked up the Champions League? I think so. Yeah. I think, yeah, I think that's, it's almost mad that he didn't win it. Like he did the, I mean, I'm, I'm really glad they did the Invincibles because that's something that's like on top of just winning. However, I think he's won more FA Cups than any other manager, but like that Invincibles is a real, like, you know, it's like a, a thing. I don't know. I can't think what the word is, but you know, it's something that he'll be remembered for, which I'm glad he has. Because, you know, he, like Liverpool's team last year were incredible, but like they didn't have a thing. Do you know what I mean? I mean, they mm. won the, like, loads and loads of points. They're probably one of the best teams, like one of the best Premier League teams. But just we have a gold trophy, you know, it's just yeah, cool. Exactly that. Um, I, I get, let's have another emergency fact for you. So this fact is, do you know why uh, Arsenal wear red? I feel like I should know it. Well, do we borrow a kit of Charlton or something? Because we started off in the southeast. You're very close. You're very close. So, as a thanks to the donation of red shirts from Nottingham Forest, shortly after Arsenal were founded in 1886, the club then known as Dial Square had two former Forest players in Fred Beardsley and Morris Bates, who had moved to the Woolwich Arsenal for work. Following the formation of a cash-strapped football club, the pair asked Forrest if they could send a set of shirts for Dial Square to play in. Forrest duly obliged, and the rest is history. Still wearing red today. Thank you very much, Forrest. I'm glad we didn't borrow them of Blackpool. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> or Forrest Green. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you.
Let's take a look at the England squad, Euro 2020. There's one Arsenal player in there, Jamie, you as an Arsenal fan. Are you happy to see Saka in the England squad? Absolutely. Am I allowed to swear? Yeah. Absolutely fucking delighted. Excellent. Potency of the swear word is lessened if you ask if you can swear first, isn't it? But <laughs> It I'm depends just... how strong the swear word is. If you say, can I swear? I say yes. You say, because I'm bloody chuffed. Yeah. And then I just call you a twat or something. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but um, yeah, no, I'm delighted to see. I mean, you need, you know, you want at least one Arsenal player in the squad. You know what I mean? Because especially in recent years, where it was very Spurs heavy. Do you think any more could have got themselves in there? I mean, in another year, maybe Smith Rowe might have been called up. But like the depth we've got in that sort of position at the moment is unreal. Yeah. I think Willock's far away. Maitland-Niles got caught up at the start of the season, but, you know. What was your um, nice little fact you told me just now about Saka as well? Oh, yeah. Saka, got, uh, I think he got three A-stars in his GCSEs. Smart cookie. Smart, he's, smart guy. Is how do you think this squad's going to do? I kind of traced through all the matches and who we play like um, a few months ago. And I think we're in another situation where finishing second in our group could be beneficial. Right. Um, how are you with the World Cup? Because a lot of people were like, oh no, you know, you want to beat Belgium because it's like, get that sense of positivity going in the squad, keep confidence up. But I was like, no, lose to Belgium. Let's play Sweden and Colombia. Let's not play France and, you know, Spain or whoever it was. I, I wanted us to win every game. I think you should go into a tournament and, and go out in to win every game. And I... He did play a slightly weaker team against Colombia. And it's kind of, I would say weaker team. It was still Marcus fucking Rashford. You know, yeah. it was still, it was still some good players. It was a good opportunity. And Vardy, who was obviously now you could sort of, when you watch back, you realize he was, he had an injury at the time, but you feel like they, they probably, I don't know. Would we got a different result if we played the first team? I don't know. We played them. And now people say, oh, no, we wouldn't have done because when we played them in the third and fourth place, we lost. But no one gave a shit about that game as it was, you know. I was so gutted. I think <laughs> when I meet my friends in the pub, nine times out of ten, we will at some point mention Harry Kane's chance against Croatia. That didn't go in. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like, when that third, fourth place match, I was like, I'm still in bed. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? I'm yeah, not... I, I mean, I think about like I really made an effort for every game that's that you know during during the World Cup. I wanted to make sure I was with mates. We made sure we were in pub gardens. It was a real atmosphere, and that fight, <laughs> that, that playoff third, fourth place game, I watched on my own at home, just on the sofa, just like it was depressing to watch. Well, I watched most of those matches in the Reading fan zone, which is by the Biscuit Tin. Did I don't oh, know nice. if you went? To- no, I didn't get to go there. Great atmosphere. It was really fun. But the semi-final, I was too scared to watch with a crowd. So I just went home to watch that just with my dad, just because it's like, oh, it would have been too, like the, the party carnival atmosphere on Broad Street. This is a very Reading reference. So apologies to anyone who's not Sam listening to this. But, um, yeah, it was amazing. Like climbing up the lampposts, you know, standing on bus tops and stuff. And just, it would have been the absolute opposite after mm. that Croatia. I don't know if you know the story about Euro 96. My dad was at the Euro 96 semi-final, England, Germany. He was there for the, for the, for the, uh, you know, he was right nearby where Gareth Southgate infamously, you know, missed his penalty. Um, And he just, that summer as well, similar to like 1990, those summers were so kind of famous for, and we didn't even win anything, but those summers were so infamous in English football of just being a great summer. Like the summer of 1990, it was like you'd come to the end of the 80s that had been so tough and Thatcher was gone and there's so much that goes with it. There's a great film called um, called uh, One Night in Turin and I cannot recommend it enough. I have to watch it religiously the night before any major tournament. Have to watch it. It's amazing. And it just basically talks about how the whole of England was just lifted by this 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 tournament run. And the same in 96 happened. You know, it was kind of, um, you know, things were changing politically. Uh, music was really good in England. And it all just seemed to be like 
the, the the sun was out all the time and you know i was i was well, i was seven in in 1996 my memories of that summer were just incredible we were going to win the euros three lions was playing 24 7 it was on the radio it was on the telly and no one was sick of it and then it seems to me that the second we we missed that penalty it started raining and then there was a riot in london that night where people were deliberately going around looking to smash up german cars and everything just went wrong after that and i felt like that with 2018 because if you remember 2018 i think we had a chat about this weirdly in one of the last gigs before lockdown with me you and was it uh nate nate kitch oh yeah 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 yeah. i remember this we were talking we talked about this um well i think we talked about what was supposed to have been euro 2020 and how we were looking forward to it didn't happen for any of you in the future didn't happen um and then we talked about the, the summer and we was like, oh, the sun was out. Like uh, everything was going great. Like the world just felt a better place. England came together for the first time in years. Again, Three Lions was at the top of the charts. It was getting played everywhere. Everyone just walked into everyone. Everyone got up to everyone. It's coming home. It's coming home. Just saw the words. It's coming home everywhere. And then I remember the atmosphere, even in Swindon, the atmosphere was so good. And then I remember we, we were walking back from the pub and I was with my brother-in-law and my father-in-law and, and some of his mates. We're walking back and it on the way to the pub, it was a carnal atmosphere. Everyone, just, the sun was shining. It was, it was a beautiful day. We were convinced we were going to win this and get to the, get to the final half time atmosphere was great. And then we got after that, I remember we walked out the pub and this group of young guys stopped us and went, don't go that way there's a riot over there. There's a load of people kicking off and there's loads of fights. And it was just yeah. like, oh, back down yeah. to reality. Oh, the, after the match? After the match, yeah. After the match, in this one particular pub, it's a bit rough. They'd all sprout out onto the streets. There were fights. People were stopping cars, jumping on cars, smashing. Yeah. It was just like, what the hell? Croatian cars. <laughs> going to be looking yeah. for a lot. <laughs> 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 oh. I mean, Lost to Iceland, like some idiots were going in front of Iceland and trying to like having a go at the staff there. They weren't, were they? I mean, I think probably like ten idiots were. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't something happen with IKEA and Sweden in that World yeah, Cup? Yeah, yeah. I think people were just again. I'm sure there's like ten people, but obviously with the internet, they could get their voice heard. Yeah, and they were just going like just shouting at the staff, or whatever. I remember what Portugal when we lost to Portugal in 2006. I like, said I'm not going to have Nando's for a while. <laughs> so, so final shout then for that's that's just call it now. Final shout: Where are England going to finish in Euro 2020? I'm such an awful pessimist, but I'm going to say quarterfinal. Quarterfinals. I hope I'm wrong. I hope I'm wrong. But I think when I looked at the things, I think we come across France in the quarterfinal or something, and I just right. I think the World Cup. You know, in 2018, we, when we played decent opposition, we actually weren't that good. And I feel like our squad's so hopefully I'm wrong. I, I'm think, I think we're going to get to the final, but we're going to oh. lose the final. <laughs> well, I wouldn't love that. But just being in a final, I think, you know, we spoke about this as well in that last gig. It's like, so there's a part of me that doesn't want England to win the World Cup because it's just like, there's nothing else to achieve in my life at that point. You know what? I mean? that, 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 I completely agree with that. Because what do you do next? That's the season finale. That is the season finale. If you win the World Cup, that, that's the end of football. Yeah, it's the end of my life. Not that, that's a bit morbid. <laughs> I honestly think winning the World Cup would be like... Because a lot of people prefer club football to... Yeah, in- I, I certainly do, yeah. That's, and that's, I totally get why. But, and... I don't know. I think I don't get why, mate. I support Reading, so I have no yeah. idea why. I think the atmosphere in during the World Cup in twenty eighteen was so like unifying, and it just brings everyone together. So for me, I, I, for me, it's I don't know. I just love England in a tournament. I just love it. And uh, yeah, if we won the World Cup, I don't know what to do. But then saying that, you know, Leicester won the league, and then. It's not like they won the FA Cup and they were like, oh, well, we actually won the league, which is even better. Do you know what I mean? They're still delighted. Mm. Yeah. Got so I think, like, maybe you would still want another World Cup. Well, this is the thing. I, in a way, I, I've always wanted us to ring the Euros more for that same reason. Because I feel like, we've, well, we've never won the Euros. So if we win the Euros, it's, it's huge. But it's also not the World Cup. I think, if anything, it's like we win the Euros. Now we can go and win 
the world. Yeah. We're going to do the double naturally. Oh. Well, I think we're getting ahead of ourselves a little bit. But... <laughs> okay. What What would you rather? Would you rather England win Euro twenty twenty, or would you rather Arsenal won the Premier League in twenty twenty two? Yeah, it would have to be England. I'm assuming both. I'm trusting Arteta's process, so that's going to happen anyway. Oh, wait, can but, you hear that? A chorus what? of boos from the Emirates. It's quite loud yeah. for the Emirates, to be fair. But there we go. the Emirates. But I just think, like, I don't know. At least we've won the league in my lifetime. I wasn't yeah. a massive Arsenal fan at the time, but um, at least it's happened. You know, if I was like a Spurs fan, maybe I'd feel a little bit differently. <laughs> Um, let's let's finish off. I'm a bit conscious of time. I'll keep you just for a couple more minutes. Um, let's talk a bit about stand up, obviously, because as we're recording this, you, you're back gigging live again. Um, how have you found that experience being back out in front of live audiences? Because you've done quite a lot of online stuff. Yeah, I did a few um, online gigs. I did your one. Your one was nice, actually. A lot of them not so nice so it is it is good to um be in front of audiences again but still getting used to it like i waffle on at the best of times but i just forgot how to talk to the audience i've forgotten about brevity uh it's definitely still a bit of rust but um hopefully i can shake that off sooner rather than later um yeah and it's at the, we're at the point now where it's like you know i've written a load of stuff over lockdown and now we're going to find out if it was good or not do you know what i mean so well, we can well, see you were previewing um, just before lockdown. The last gig I actually did before the very first lockdown was was in Reading, uh, the Purple Turtle, and yeah. I believe we. I was there. Nate Kitch was there. Carl Richard, yourself, and Bobby Mayer, which was yeah. a cracking lineup. To be fair, yeah. uh, very male orientated, but still a cracking lineup. But at the same time, it was kind of for an audience of eight because it was like a few days before I think lockdown got called and you were previewing then. So with that show, is that still going ahead or has it been rewritten or? I think I'm kind of lucky that none of the stuff in that show was topical. So I think if a joke worked, then it'll probably still work now because it was all about like school and stuff like that, which doesn't really change. So I think if anything, it should make it better because I've got more jokes that can just kind of slot in, um, you know, I feel like my set is a lot like a football team and I just have like a disparate sense of like disparate like set of like kind of jokes, like one liners and they can like, you know, eventually one will kind of get too old. It reaches mid thirties and I get a new one in and it's kind of like an ever evolving set. Whereas I know some people write a five and then they write another five and then they, do you know what I mean? And they kind of, they have a, a separate 20 that's distinct, but I feel like I've got one mood set that's kind of always evolving a little bit kind of thing. That that is the first time I think in the history of the podcast we've ever had someone have a comedy and football analogy compiled it into one for a set. I think that's absolutely amazing and very commendable. Well, that's the thing, actually. Uh, in London, you have to do a lot of open mic gigs where there's about a million acts on. A good game I like to play is what footballer would they be? And okay. lots, of the, lots of the time, it's Jared and Shakiri, and they've got you. <laughs> There's a bit of talent and a bit of flair, but not the application for them to really fully go places and be the main sort of comedian. I think I was I was branded like Nacho Monreal because I'm always about a six and a half out of ten on a bill. Like I don't die that often, but I don't always smash it. Do you know what I mean? I think I would be, unfortunately, at this stage, just an Andy Carroll, uh, pretty absent. But when I'm there, people will go, "Oh, he's quite tall." Yeah. <laughs> See, and every everyone has a footballer that they like. They fit to. I recommend playing it next time you're at a gig because it is a lot of fun. There's always a footballer, and just just and it's that good. The best thing about football is you can name a player from 2002 that you haven't thought about for ages. You know, and if you just go, he's Charles and Zogbia. He used to play more forward, but now he's bringing it back a little bit. You know, it's always just there's always a metaphor out there for a certain player. Um, amazing, and I want to. Uh... In that case, um, I'm going to ask you, we've got mutual friends in comedy, of course. I'm going to give you a couple of names. I want you to tell me which footballer they are. Yeah. <laughs> so, number one, Alex Farrow. Farrow. Oh, God, that's a tough one because he's not into football. Um, Farrow is very smart. He's got, he, uh, 
do you know what? I reckon he'd have a good command of the box. He's quite an authoritative figure, but quite calmly. So who's like a calmly authoritative goalkeeper? So not like Lehman, who is just a head case, someone who just kind of keeps it ticking. Maybe someone like Gilberto Silva, actually. Okay, yeah. Runs the midfield, but he doesn't make a big show and dance about it. Um, someone who you uh, actually did a did a gig with in lockdown, did a, did a half hour, Nish Kumar. Nish Kumar? Oh, God. Um, Rashford, just left wing. <laughs> 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 That's the only thing. Yeah. Tories despise them, so I'm going to say Marcus Rashford. That is the best answer you could have given. Absolutely fantastic. <laughs> Um, and I'll end. I'll end on this. It's a, a quick question, but basically, what we do is I ask you to um, come up with your basically your ultimate kind of five-a-side uh, Arsenal team from your era. And from yeah. players who mean something specifically to you, so don't go straight away. Just go. Don't go grab you know Terry Henry if you you know unless you really want to, or you know players from the seventies. I know <laughs> players who have meant something to you in your years that you've watched football. Five players. You don't even need a keeper, a defender, whatever. Just just five five players in a team you want to play uh, five aside with. That's such a great question. Number one on the list is Bellerin. Just yep. he gets the Arsenal fans because he's like vegan and talks about issues, but. He he's been a really good player for us, and he's been in, he's been unlucky with injuries, and he's just like really articulate. He's got a half Spanish, half Cockney accent, and he's he looks like he's leaving the season. But I I just love Bellerin; he's great. So I'd have him. Yeah, uh, I'd have Cazorla as well. I think he would be good in a five-a-side team. You know, mm-hmm. he can free kick with either foot. You know, I just like he's five foot six, and he still made you know he still absolutely bossed the Premier League. So. Yeah, great. A lovely smile as well. Just seems like a nice man. Um, <laughs> I think, um, God, who else? Um, Adebayor, I think. <sighs> Lots of Arsenal fans were really pissed off when this happened. When he ran towards the, you know, when he scored against us, yeah. the length of the pitch, I was absolutely pissing myself when that happened. <laughs> if I was there, I wouldn't be trying to rip out the stadium throwing chairs at him like some people were. I just thought he was quite a lazy player. That's like to run the length of the pitch. He must have, we must have really got in his head. So I think, um, I don't know if I'll take him, but he just comes to mind. Um, God, who else? Uh, Aaron Ramsey. Mm-hmm. He scored two in the FA Cup. That's, you know, that's, uh, that's a lot. that he might come back, Aaron Ramsey. I don't know if I'd want him to come back. I think he's gone. He's, you know, a couple of years older. We'd have to get him on a high wage. It might be hard to. I don't know. I don't, I don't think he fits the profile of the team now, even though he's probably good enough to walk into the first 11. Um, it's funny when players come back, isn't it? Mm. So I think that's that's three. If I go for Bellerin, Gazzola and uh, Ramsey, um, I'll pick Lehman just because I'm a big fan of a goalkeeper that can get eight bookings in a season. I think that's genuinely <laughs> a, a feat. Like, <laughs> um, and then I've got one more player I'm trying not to pick Thierry Henry, despite him being an absolute god, um, and Ian Wright for being one of the most biased pundits of all time, which I'm <laughs> so on board with Ian Wright. Um, let me think of a, a good one. Um, you know what? I really like Thomas Vermaelen. I was a big okay. fan. Of him. I think he's like scored 10 goals in a season from centre-back, and he was... He's one of those centre backs that made late runs into the box and still like just scored. And yeah. I just like centre back that scores goals. So I might might get him in. I have not thought about Vermarlin for so long, but he was solid on Pro Evo. Was he? Yeah. Pro yeah. Evo man. Yeah, well, I'm a bit of both. I dabble both, but my heart goes back to I was around in the days of Pez four, Pez five. What's Reading's name? Is it Royal Blues? Berkshire Blues. Berkshire Blues, okay, fair enough. What are we North London Reds? North London Reds, yeah. That's a good pub quiz question. Trying to name the teams of uh, Pro Evo. yeah, yeah, they're pretty good. I'd, I've sometimes picked ones who never got one and try and think of names of them. So Swindon would be, I don't know, like Wiltshire oh, Breweries or so. 
I thought you'd be really biased when, uh, against Wimbledon. Yeah, Wiltshire Brew. Yeah, that's a good question. What, what would Brentford be? Just the beat? I think they've, How- their names were, uh, I think, just West London B. Bees or West London Hives might have been something like that, which sounds like a really good band. Yeah, West London Hives. <laughs> I live in West. I should start that band <laughs> at half time at the new Griffin Park, whatever it's called. Um, anyway, man, I, thanks so much for coming on. I've really enjoyed it. Great, great five aside, by the way. It's, it's well done at the end for not not going with your Ian Wrights or your uh, <laughs> or Thierry or Real Bergkamp. She went, he went for a centre back who can score ten goals in a season, and that's what we love here on the podcast. Thanks so much for coming on, man. I really appreciate it. Now, look, as I said, gigs are coming back, and we've got uh, you know obviously a long a long summer ahead. Um, have you got any with the new show that you're putting together? Are there places in the next year where people can come and see it? Do you think Are there places you you want to get yourself booked in? Are you going to be at the Fringe next year? I'd love to be at the Fringe next year. Yeah, but nothing nothing to plug at this point per se. Although, can I plug one thing? Go for it. Over lockdown, I spent absolutely ages making a cartoon about <laughs> the, being in the green room of the gig. I really and like that. You saw it. I think the only person who else saw it was my mum. So if anyone <laughs> wants to. It's all about being in a green room of a gig, a real gig that happened to me in uh, Exeter. Cool, Matt. Well, thank thank you so much for coming on. Yeah, do go and check out the cartoon, and you can find you and other clips of you as well on YouTube as well. If you search Jamie DeSelza, they'll be able to find that cartoon and some other stuff you've done as well, including a few musical numbers. Yeah, a little bit, of, a few little songs I came up with on Garage Band. It's a bit of fun. Check nice. them out. Didn't you get into a bit of a rivalry with uh, Eric? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I did actually. That's still a bit raw. But yeah, I dropped a diss track on Eric Rushton. Yeah, big time. I, I, I said to him the other day, I think it's an absolute disgrace. Tro- he has a Premier League uh, medal and Scott yeah. Carson doesn't. Oh, yeah. Called him out on that. I said, well, what, what sort of rules say that Eric Rushton can get one when Leicester win the league, but Scott Carson can be in the Man City squad and not get one? Shocking. On loan as well. Mad. What is Scott <laughs> on loan from Derby at Man City? I'll never know. <laughs> hey, what he's doing? He's winning Premier League titles, mate. Absolute hero. Everyone talks about the, the 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 Jamie Vardy film. I want the Scott Carson film. Granted, it is going to be ten years of him sat on a bench, but this is his second Champions League final because so I think he won it with Liverpool when he was like eighteen or whatever on the bench. I think I never knew that. That's amazing. It's true. That's absolutely amazing. <laughs> Well, nice one, man. I'll let you get to the pub. But yeah, just to say, mate, thanks very much for coming on. All good, man. Hope that was good. Thank you very much, Jamie. Uh, Jamie DeSalza is one of the nicest guys I've met on the comedy circuit, and other comedians, I'm sure, would agree. Um, If you go and see him live, which you very much should do, he's hilarious, um, try and grab him afterwards and have a chat, because I guarantee... Uh, well, I can't guarantee that, can I? I can't guarantee he'll be lovely to you. You might be in a bad mood. In fact, I probably shouldn't be encouraging audience members to harass uh, comedians <laughs> after their gig. But anyway... He's a lovely guy. Definitely go and see him live and um, find his stuff on YouTube as well. He's done some music comedy on there and his cartoon series, I think, is absolutely fantastic. Um, and you can find him on social media as well. You search Jamie DeSalza. Uh, you'll find him on Twitter. You'll find him on Facebook and Instagram as well. Give him a follow. Show him some love. So that is the second from last episode of the series. Uh, and we have a very special guest for you for the season finale. We have got Mr... Bilal Zaffa, the gaffer himself, talking about his very own club, Pez United. Yes, he has uh, put aside his issues with the mainstream media to speak to us. <laughs> we are very, very excited about that. Honestly, it's going to be cool. Um, some of you, I'm sure many of you are probably aware of Bilal's work during lockdown um, and uh, with Pez United on Twitch and it's absolutely fantastic so make sure you listen to that that'll be the next episode for the final final instalment of comedians talking about football if you want to get in touch in the meantime if you've got a question which we're probably going to address as I said in one of the episodes that come out between now and series two depending on how many we get 
drop your question in an email to comedians talking about football at gmail.com alternatively you can just send us a tweet uh, or a message on instagram follow us on both with the handle at com talk footy pod until next time thank you very much for listening take care at the end of the day, football, it's a funny old game, comedians talking about football, comedians talking about football, comedians talking about football. Sports Social Podcast Network. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.